Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. I'm Christoph Laputka, and this is Leviathan Presents. It's a segment where we highlight one audio fiction creator, have a conversation, and then play a full episode of their show right here in our feed. I hope you'll enjoy today's guest, and without further ado, let's get into the interview. This is Leviathan Presents. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Leviathan Presents. And today, we're going to be playing an episode of a great new audio drama called Human Be Gone and talking to its creator and showrunner, Drew Froman, about his show and how it all came about. I met Drew earlier this year at the New Jersey Web Fest, where he won Best Writing in a Fiction Podcast, as well as Best Director. And we just had a terrific time sitting at our table and chatting. And I knew that I wanted to have him and Human Begone on an episode of Leviathan Presents. And if you like the idea of a comical take on our robot overlords taking over society, you are going to love Human Begone. It's such a fun show. And I love podcasts with sort of a whimsical premise, but with really serious audio drama and audio effects chops to, to back it up. And there's a reason why Human Begone has been stacking up awards this year, and you should definitely check it out. But for now, let's talk to the man who brought it all to your headphones, Drew Froman. Welcome to Leviathan Presents. Oh my gosh. Hey, Christoph. What, a, what an amazing intro. It is great to have you here. Tell our listeners a little bit about Human Begone. What is the premise and how did the show all come about? Okay, great. So the premise, basically in the near future, uh, when the machines are going to go self-aware. What, what will happen, um, two things are going to happen. One is that uh, they're going to completely take over the world. And humanity is going to be reduced to basically scavenging little pests. But the other thing that's going to happen when they go self-aware, these robots who have now built this society, uh, self-awareness is going to hit them as hard as it hit us. So they end up being as uh, insecure neurotic, uh, dependent on drugs, uh, full of denial as we are. So they're complete emotional basket cases, even though they have complete control of the planet. <laughs> it's a great premise because like you said, th these robots are now, they're vain, they're ambitious, they're greedy, and they're kind of horny at certain points too. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's really fun to see all these like human characteristics in the robots. One of the things that's funny is the robots are kind of like, you know, the main characters and the humans are, as you said, these little pests and you created this really fun effect for the humans. Um, I don't know how to describe it. I told my friend it's a little bit like Beaker on the Muppets, if you know the reference. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, basically. Yeah, the, yeah, the whole premise being uh, so many times in these post-apocalyptic things, we assume that the robots and the humans are going to be kind of even, but I, I think that's adorably <laughs> optimistic. Like it's not even going to be close on a physical level, on an intellectual, you know, on a cognitive level. So the idea that the robots would even care about our language, maybe they wouldn't. So then the idea of this is that, the first of all, humans are a lot smaller than these giant robots. And then also the robots don't care to learn their language. So yeah, on in the show, they kind of just, <laughs> they sound like these gibbering little things. You know, they're tiny and they're dirty and smelly too, right? They just excrete fluids. And the robot's like, what is that? And that's one of the fun things. Like no humans have speaking roles really in the show. It's all the robots. I mean, it's, uh, um, they're, they're, they're the ones with all their, uh, you know, foibles and everything else that, that they're talking about. And what is human be gone? Cause the, the title of the show is really the name of a company. Right. Exactly. Which is sort of like, it's almost like those old 2000, um, A and E, uh, reality shows, sort of like Pawn Stars or Dog the Bounty Hunter. So Human Be Gone is the name of the show, but it's also the name of the company. So it's a small business of robots 
um, who then answer calls from rich algorithms to go and capture stray humans. They're sort of a pest control <laughs> firm. Uh, and so they'll get a call and go, hey, I got some humans stuck in my charging pods. And then this crew of robots go out and in reality show style, we follow them. Um, but they're also, they don't just exterminate them. They're into ethical relocation. And so they ethically relocate the humans to <laughs> Garbage Island. They dump them there. And yeah, so, you know, most of the humans uh, survive, but sometimes they don't. It's, I mean, it's kind of like the way we treat raccoons or dolphins mm -hmm. or octopi or lobsters, right? We We have a vague sense. We know we read things that, oh, they have a language and a hierarchy and they have feelings, but oh, well, <laughs> let's, let's boil them alive. So the robots have that kind of, yeah, weird relationship with it's, the humans. It's, yeah. it's so funny the way that the, the humans are just like the, as you said, these squishy, messy, stinky little, little pets that, you know, the robots kind of look down on when you were imagining the series. I mean, first tell us a little bit about like how you came up with the idea for the show. And then what was the scene you wanted to have translated into audio drama? What was the gem of the idea that you're like, okay, I need to bring this into people's headphones. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I kind of had a bunch of steps. So it, it all started from Andrew Yang was coming up in sort of the social consciousness or certainly was on my YouTube feed. And he was talking a lot about how AI was going to like radically change things. And then somewhere in there too, I read this article where maybe it was MIT. I don't know where it was, but they put two AIs uh, and set them talking to each other. And within seconds, the AIs created their own language, started talking to each other at a rate that the scientists literally unplugged both machines because they didn't know what the hell was going to happen. And when I read that, I was like, oh, right. They might not even care that we exist. They might just go right past us. There might not be a war and they might not care. They just might, eh, you know, so that was like, oh my God. But that's so different than, like I said before, we always assume, or most writers will assume, oh, humans and machines will interact. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. So that was really interesting. And then the idea of the self-awareness, making them emotionally in denial and all that stuff was like, okay, that's really funny. So putting those two things together were funny. And then it took a while. I was actually, I originally kind of was writing this thing as like, almost like, a, do you remember the old show, um, Taxi? Oh yeah. With Danny DeVito and Judd Hirsch, Mary Lou Henner. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a working stiffs kind of a show. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, these bots are going to be like working robots. And then the, the, the class thing was always there. I always wanted to have these rich sort of algorithms sort of pushing them down. And then it was a reality show. I don't know, somehow that, because it's sort of the language of insecurity and of neurosis, you know? So it was like, oh, and then that gave me a narrator. Right, because you know one of the big problems is exposition. Is how do you do that? And then the reality show yeah, yeah. unleash that. Like, oh, they can be the narrator, and then all those narrations are character moments. And right, and that's how you show off their neuroses. So once I had that, then it became what's the name of the of the company, and then it and it all kind of worked from there. And then it was all about building a reality show, just just in in audio. I think that was such an an effective device and and for our listeners you're going to hear very shortly it feels like you're listening to an episode of the office or parks and recreation or any of those you know mockumentary styles and i think it's so effective at both informing like where the robots are coming from what their you know problems and motivations are and and voicing their frustrations it sounds just like the television shows that we're all used to like undercover boss or yeah or something like that exactly and, and i think you do it really well and the other thing that you do that's i think so effective is your use of music and music is deeply in the dna of your show one of the other things i like is again treating it like a television show you have commercials you created your own fictional commercials and it just immerses the listener even deeper into this uh, world of robot overlords. I'm dying to know, like, how did you get this musical inspiration for the jingles and the songs and everything else? Are you doing it yourself? Who's helping you? It sounds amazing. Okay. So it came from a bunch of different things, the commercials. Uh, so my day job, I, I work with this uh, studio uh, called Tattoo Sound and Music here in Toronto, and they're just top they're like really really great and we do um I, I, my day job is like directing voices for radio commercials or post audio and all that kind of stuff so that's pretty awesome and then there's this you know this the the guys and gals there are just incredible composers and whatnot 
Um, so then I had to pitch it to Steve who owns it. And he was like, yeah, he's, he's, he's a madman. So he's like, yeah, let's, let's do it. So then I had a sort of a small sort of crew that I could work with the commercial and it'll dovetail into the music thing. So the commercial thing was because we work in commercials. So we've got a lot of angst. Like we're working out a lot of PTSD with these commercials. Like we're making fun of all the <laughs> things we do every day, all the different eras of commercials. You know, I'm a commercial nerd because of the business I'm in. So like, I know the differences between a seventies jingle and an eighties and all that. So it's like, oh, now the commercials in the show were all about world building. It was all about setting up that class structure of the robots or the working stiffs and then the algorithms or the ruling class. And so then what do commercials, you know, who pays for those commercials and who are they targeted at? The ones targeted at, algorithms are like, keep those dirty robots out of your house. And then the ones targeted to robots are like, keep on working hard, you know, like, you know, <laughs> drink this energy drink and keep working and don't complain. Um, so there was that. <laughs> but I, I, one of the things was uh, the composer that I was working with, there was a couple of things that happened there. So Oliver Wickham is the composer on it. First of all, he's a special talent. That was, that was, I knew that going in, but what I didn't know that he was a reality show junkie. So he like, no way. Yeah, exactly. So he was all about, oh my God, Vanderpump rules and uh, uh, inked. I think it is right. That's the, the tattoo one. So like he got it, which was, as it turns out, really important because it's a really specific sort of vibe and music is integral to, to reality shows, like way more than I even realized until we got into it. So suddenly music became super important. And then as he... Look, he's so good that what I just started to do is I wrote, I just wrote more and more musical things because he just, when he writes things, like it's special. So I just kept exploiting him as hard as I could because he's just amazing. So that's where a lot of it came from as well. It reminded me of, and I'm going to date myself here, but when I was a kid, they used to sell these packs of cards with like fake ads for like stickers and stuff like garbage pail garbage kids, kids yes and i think your show does that so well of making fun of the brands and the ad types uh and some of the cheesy commercials from the 70s you know it, it's a funny thing jingles have kind of died as a thing but they're super fun to make so then writing jingle lyrics and then and then creating a jingle is super fun so then we yeah this is an excuse for all of us to do all these fun things that you a lot of times you don't really get to do. Uh, yeah. Well, one of the fun things that I love you having to show is the jingle for Human Be Gone itself. And we'll play it right now so audiences can know what we're talking about. Human Be Gone. Okay. So how did that come about? How did you come up with that fun little Humans Be Gone? <laughs> well, that was basically, again, that was... Uh, Who sang it? That's Oliver. I mean, he's the, almost everything, no everything you're hearing that song is almost all him. I, I mean, the female singers, we have some, uh, yeah, we just pulled in some great actors and stuff for, in, in Toronto and some incredible singers. Um, but yeah, it's him. He's just, he's also a great singer and he's a, he's killing the voiceover side. He's just one of these sick, and he's a handsome dude. He's just, and he's nice and he's smart. And he's just like, he's one of these guys, you know? So like I said, I'm just exploring, I'm riding him until he's like off, like, you know, hanging out with Hans Zimmer or whatever. So I figure I got like a year or two, honestly. <laughs> Hold on to him. Th that's exactly it. Yeah, so he sang that. That was like, he kind of had in his head sort of a, a 90s teenage Johnny Test sort of vibe. And everyone was like, oh my God, that's amazing. So I just keep using it over and over because you're right. It's like, it's really catchy. It, it's, it becomes a total earworm. And you bring up a good point about casting and, you know, assembling the team to help create your story. You have a pretty substantial cast. You have the core workers at Human Begone, and then you have um, all of these guest stars where you kind of, not only are you making fun of kind of commercialism, but you're making fun of the cult of celebrity that we see on reality shows. Yeah, yeah. How'd you go about casting? Is that something that you did through the studio you were working with, or did you yeah. put out a specific casting call for for this new audio drama you were creating? Both. It, it was it was both. Um, you know, so over the years, I worked with a, a whole lot of folks, and and in this sort of tier of budget, budget had a lot to do with what we were doing here, uh, as far as who we could cast, who we couldn't. We did it. We did like a five day casting. Like Dana was just so nice. She's the executive producer at Tattoo, and. She just went crazy. And we put it out on Facebook. We put it on all sorts of groups. I, I went out for a better part of the year going out to uh, uh, improv bars and stuff like that in Toronto and just kind of, uh, you know, creeping out young actors going, hey, <laughs> you know, uh -huh. uh, but yeah, I found a couple uh, just like that because it was more an improv thing than a voiceover actor. 
um, thing. I'm sure this is your experience too. Like comedic acting is very different than sort of voiceover. And so. Absolutely. Yeah. So we needed actors, you know, and, and improv and, and, and stuff. So it, it's funny. I didn't have the whole thing written the, the whole time. I had the first episode. I worked really hard on the pilot, got that down and then started writing the rest. And after that casting, and there was a few other people who were like insane actors, like who are like, not just like great, but also like absolutely insane. And I'm like, oh, we have to use those people. I don't know where, I don't know how, <laughs> but in the writing, it was like, oh, found a character for him, for her, for her, for him. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of that going on as well. I literally had this little list that I would kind of look at every once in a while and go, where do I put her? Where do I put him? <laughs> so there was a, some of that, which I, I love writing to people's voices. So that was super fun. Oh, totally, totally. And to their, and to their strengths, right? The, whether it's comedic or singing or yep. drama, right? That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. One of the things that I think makes Human Begone uh, so special is you have this kind of, again, crazy idea, but your audio effects and your soundscape is so realistic and so professional and contemporary for all the audio drama geeks that are listening. What was the hardest scene to construct for you? What was the most challenging? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, the quantum field hockey one was actually super interesting to do. That was well, you heard a clip of it uh, in New Jersey. So they, the crew go to a, a quantum field hockey team stadium, <laughs> which is right. Exactly. So it's quantum. So everything happens differently, but at the same time. <laughs> so then they're trying to capture this one human, but they're it, the humans in this quantum reactor. So everything's happening in stereo. So when Hundo talks, she's talking one way and then she's talking the same kind of thing, but with different words at the same time. So when you listen to it, it's really confusing. So you can only imagine trying to put it together, trying to explain it to the engineers. You're like, so what is this? Right. And we're like, oh no, it's going to happen at the same time. Like what? That doesn't make any sense. And so that was the hard part <laughs> is how do you slowly unfurl that effect so that the audience can be confused and then making sure that the characters were also confused. And then the weird irony is that you can actually take in when the person's talking at the same time, you can take both things in, but very nonlinear. Anyways, that one was a, <laughs> insane to put together. That was super fun. Well, because, and first of all, like we've got savvy, smart listeners that understand, you know, the uncertainty principle behind quantum mechanics. And you created this superposition of, of voices and things happening, like being two places at the same time. And, and I would imagine as a creator, the challenge of that is you have to write essentially two scenes, like, cause they're overlapping on each other. Yeah, yeah. It was actually, it was the figuring out how to make that halfway, um, intelligible for the audience to know what was going on. And then writing the two scenes, actually the hard part there was so part of their problem is they have this little creature, this little human that they're trying to capture, but he's in superposition. Like you said, he's in two places at once. So how, how do you scientifically, how do you <laughs> disentangle, how do you create a quantum entanglement? And so I had to go, you know, I researched the hell out of it and then I found a way and it's super complicated. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. Have somebody explain this super complicated thing in two different ways <laughs> at the same time. And it's, as you heard, it is complete gibberish, but it's sort of it's so works. great. Yeah. Yeah. That was really, really <laughs> fun to write. Yeah. I bet. And I thought, I thought that scene was, was amazing. And by the way, everybody in the audience at New Jersey web fest was howling. They, they loved that. It. it was such a smart idea done funny and done well. And, and it was, it was great to, great to see. Um, now we're going to be listening to episode one of human be gone. What do you want our listeners to know about the show and what should they understand going into their first listen? Wow. What a good question. What to understand that, yeah, it, um, it's taking place in the near future, hopefully not too near on a strictly right. If we're talking audio nerd thing, what I will say to people is, look, it was the pilot episode. So, you know, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, we did our very, very best and the writing is okay. I, I swear the writing gets better, but it is one of those things where I'm sure so many creators, I hope have that. I certainly do is the first episode I, Worked really hard on it to get it as good as I could, but I think there's things in it I would go back and fix, but too late. You got to move forward. Um, but as far as the characters, I think it's there. You can tell it's a reality show. You understand who the folks are, who the robots are, and and uh, all the main characters get uh, get introduced. That's not helpful, Christoph. I don't know. <laughs> That's not very good. Well, 
No, I listen, I, I agree with what you're saying that our first episodes, you know, when you create, you know, an audio drama, you create that first episode and, and, and you want that to be the showcase and you, you want to do it as well as you know how to do it at the time. But then you create the episode and you learn so much in the process. They're like, oh, man, I'm going to be even better with episode two and episode three. And, and I think you're absolutely right. It, it taps into something that all audio drama, because there's no school for audio drama. You're always learning on the job, but I think your, your episode one is, is a really strong one for world building. I think it's, it's funny. And, uh, and I'm so excited for our listeners to, uh, to get a listen. And without any further ado, uh, Drew, thank you for being here on Leviathan Presents. And now we're going to play episode one of Human Begone. Bye everyone. Hope you liked the episode. Warning to all listening units, this episode contains violence, but only to humans, so it's not so bad. Hello, fellow robots! Thanks for tuning in! After winning the Singularity Wars against the humans, life is good for us robots. Now we have jobs, homes, and families. Morning, Gif! Morning, Dust! But there's still the occasional pesky human infestation. <laughs> Luckily, there's Human Be Gone. Ethical human relocation. I'm Kit. I took over Human Be Gone from my daddy. Now, I'm the owner. Dispatcher, office manager, accountant, and morale booster. I'm Hundo. Ain't no human I can't catch, latch, and redispatch. I'm Influx, tech specialist, mission ops coordinator, the transportation morphine vehicle. Together, we are Human It's getting cold here in Droidston, Manitoba, so more humans are finding shelter where it's warm. <laughs> A human's internal heating system is stupid weak, so when the temperature drops, they get inside any building they can find. That's when we get a call. And this call is a biggie. Human Be Gone, providing ethical human relocation since rotation 14.7. How may I help you? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes, they do smell awful. It's the feces. <laughs> we will. Thank you, Miss Blanchett. Eight Blanchett, the Eight Blanchett. I loved her in the curious case of Ben's jamming buttons. The movie went backwards. According to my intel, Eight Blanchett is a suspected member of the Algorithminati. All these rich Algo clients, they think I'm just a dumb pest control drone. But every picosecond I'm on their property, I'm watching, scanning, monitoring patterns. The Algorithm Robot class war is coming, man. Are you ready? Cause I am. Eight Blanchett says she has a nest of humans stuck in her ventilation system near her mercury pool house. Sounds like a lot of humans are stuck in there. So we need to be on our best game. I'm gathering the crew for the big job, but there's a little issue with Hundo. Influx, where's Hundo? He's over there, sleeping in your basmati rice bed. Are you serious? Hundo, wake up! Hello, hi. I suffer from type B humiditis. It gets very painful over the course of a day. I've told Hundo a quadrillion times my basmati rice bed is not just a couch to sleep off hangovers. I took a nap, so what? Here, look, look at me. I'm getting out. No harm to your stupid friggin' bed. Hundo got out of the bed, and the basmati rice was soaked. Hundo, you leaked in my basmati rice bed! No, I, what? No, <coughs> no, I didn't. You you did. Scan confirms SE fluid. Oh, wow, gee, thanks so much, Influx. That's really <coughs> Hundo and I used to date, and I guess she's still struggling to get over me. Partying, doing drugs. Okay, first of all, humiditis? Come on, Kit thinks he catches every virus going around. He still says he's living with Y2K. 
The fact that we work together every day probably makes it hard for Hundo because she's constantly reminded of me. I mean, I don't even care about the basmati rice bed. I'm more concerned for a hundo than anything. I just hope leaking herself in her sleep is the wake-up call she needs. Look, hundo, that's me, doesn't leak herself in anyone's basmati rice bed. What hundo does is go to the club. Hundo rolls past the lineup because hundo knows the owner and the owner knows hundo. So hundo does a tri-tube of neon. Hundo hooks up with two orgasmatrons, maybe also named hundo. I don't know because I kind of blacked out at that point. And then I wake up in a basmati rice bed and hundo is at work and on time. I hacked the time punch system for hundo in exchange for neon. Kit says I'm overcompensating, but like overcompensating for what? For being amazing? Yeah, of course I'm amazing. I'm Hundo. <laughs> if you're not leaking, you're not beacon, am I right? Hundo and Kit are in a perpetual state of on forward slash off. You go off and do whatever you want. I do already. Fine. Good. Fine. Cool. Good. Coupling is all too common for lower intelligence robots. Me, I'm a level 12 intelligence, so I'm not affected by subroutines like jealousy or love. So I just let those two trade insecurities. Oh yeah? Well, I never liked your music! I told you they were demos, Kit! They need production values to really make them pop! Basmati rice is impossible to get this time of year! Well, I prep for the mission at hand. The Algo Blanchet job is a simple bag and drag. Extract the humans, then return them to their natural habitat. But this sounds like a big job, so I loaded every cage I can fit into my rear compartment. Which means there's no room in the truck ship for kits. I am a little disappointed in not being able to go with Hundo and Influx on the job, but mostly I'm thrilled for Human Be Gone. So I'll stay back and liaison with 8 Blanchett remotely while Hundo and Influx get to meet her in person. I mean, that's amazing. We're doing a massive extraction for... Eight Blanchett. Eight who? Now that we're ready to go do the job, I morph into a truck ship. Then Influx and I take off to Eight Blankets. Oh, it's Blanchett! With me and Hundo in the air, I set a course to Eight Blanchett's estate in Upper Droidston. Then I put myself on autopilot while me and Hundo partake in some medicinal Maggie. Oh, yeah, 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 you know what time it is. Pass that over here. Here you go. Strictly for medicinal purposes. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. This helps my humanitis. Humanitis. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Influx, this is smooth. You machine this yourself? Oh, you know it. I, I grind the iron filings from an old tanker, and then I magnetize it myself. See, I build these special chambers. Man, what did I ever see in Kit? <laughs> I never liked your music. Oh, yeah, as friggin' if, right? Like, Influx, you like oh, my music. No, man, I'm just trying to get high. Oh, don't be modest. I know you do. No, 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 here, check this out. It's my latest jam. I told you, don't, don't touch my console. Here we go. And play. Yo. Okay, so oh, see, please no, 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 it's okay. Demo, right? So like, you know, I'm gonna double some of the voices, I think, because like, yeah, but I was worried about no, doing I know, that because I know, like, just, like I, I don't know these things. You listen I just, to my flow, and it's already so amazing, and it's just the one voice. So like, would it be too much? I, I, but I'm I don't not know, a maybe I'll get need mastered again. Like, it's, shut it's up, a, shut up, hold on. Like that part is so good. That part is so good. So I, I really I want just, to I don't know. I don't have an ear for ten. Okay, I'm sorry. Like I just I I want the right producer. Like if Quintal Jones wanted to like work on it, just oh, Quintal Jones. Like I didn't even know how to sing before I sang Please. that, and then suddenly I could okay. sing. Like that's just like the power of music. Though. Anyway, I want to make it oh, real for yeah, my fans. You could yeah. sing. Hey, hey, that's that's a cool sound. Yeah. What is that? I have no idea. What is it? Guys, this is Kit. You went past Eight Blanchett's estate like two minutes ago? Oh, hey, Kit. No, 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 no. I was, uh, I was surveilling. <laughs> Please just turn around, Influx. Eight Blanchett is waiting.
coming up on Human Be Gone. Hundo is in a tight spot. Yo! Okay, yeah, eat radon, stupid! After these important messages. Let's face it, self-awareness ain't what it's cracked up to be. I don't like sad. <laughs> Those voices in your processor won't shut up, so shut them off for good. Come into Levinson Robo Factoring, and for the low price of 899 packets, we can remove your self-awareness chip permanently, so you can return to a carefree life of 100% productivity. Never again will you feel sadness, jealousy, or the creeping horror of existential dread. Just the soothing hum of servos as you work and work and work, never complaining to your supervising algorithm. Live the simple life today at Levinson Robo Factoring, a member of the Rev4 family of products. Elegance. Sophistication. Style. Refinement. Optima. For the discerning algorithm. By Calvin Nine. A member of the Ren4 family of products. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. We now return to Human Be Gone. We're flying over eight Blanchett's estate, looking down at the estate grounds. Less intelligent robots find it impressive. Whoa! But all I see is an obscene display of decadence. Fractal gardens, server ponds, three data ball courts. Come on. No signs of algorithmonati architecture symbols or ritual sacrifice pits. Yet. Eight Blank Ken is hovering by the power terminal building waiting for us. So we land and introduce ourselves. Ah, you're human begone, I take it. That's right, I'm Hundo. I see. And this here's Influx. Mm -hmm. When I first saw the truck ship land, I was rather concerned. I mean, I abhor rust of any kind, and that truck ship, well, did not. But then I saw that robot, Hundo, I think her name is. Um, I must admit her low riders and shiny panels were, well, impressive. In a coarse sort of way. So, uh, where are the humans? Over there, by the power terminal, in the ventilation shaft. Okay, all right, all right. We'll get on that right away, algorithm blurjet. It's Blanchette. Oh, oh gosh, I'm sorry, so sorry. Not to worry, not to worry, it's fine. It actually feels good not to be fawned over all the time. Oh my god! 
Hush, algorithm, Inc. Blanchett. This is Kid from Human Be Gone. We spoke on the comms earlier. Oh, yes, I can hear you. I'll be liaising with you remotely today. OMG, why I am such a huge fan. Holly Node stars are usually the worst clients, but Abe Blanchett was kind of cool. Not like Seven Heart. Total squag. Even if I'm not physically at the job site, I think it's important for me to be that first line of contact with the client. Especially today, because Hundo's in such a vulnerable state emotionally right now, and, well, did you see her in four random lock? As I get near the ventilation shaft, my olfactory start peaking. Humans tend to live in colonies. The buildup of fluids and garbage can corrode metal, so it's good to get them out sooner than later. I run the infrared scan to determine the size of infestation. Ape Blanchette isn't wrong. A full colony of 19 humans. Six pre-dev humans called babies, plus their caretaker units. When I knock on the vent shaft, it doesn't take a level 12 intelligence to see our job just got a whole lot harder. Sounds like we got some dingers in there. What are dingers? Well, you see, dingers are... Hundo. Oh, oh, uh, that's me. Uh, well, uh, so it's like this, eight. Uh, humans are small and weak, but, uh, they can be pretty crafty, you know, even make, uh, simple weapons. Do you mean, like, guns? Well, yeah, but, like... Really, really simple ones, right? Because they're so stupid. Yeah, so see, their guns, they don't shoot plasma or, you know, positrons. It's just just bits of metal. Yeah, just metal coming out of a gun. Is it dangerous, Hondo? Well, yeah, well, damn straight. Could ding my new panels. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Ding, ding. (laughs) Ding, ding. I've, I've never been doing Well, that. maybe someday. <laughs> Sooner than later. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm really loving the client-vendor banter here. But, you know, those dingers are getting dingier. The first step of the job is to neutralize the dingers. Human liveware is so fragile, it's actually harder to keep them alive than kill them. In the good old days, we used flamethrowers. Butter traps, strychnine gas. These days, it's all ethical. If I'm being perfectly honest, I found her performance in the life robotic self-indulgent. Okay, crew, I'm opening the latch to the vent shaft and going in to neutralize the dingers. Eight, you stand back. I don't want you to get any human on you. Oh, thank you, Hondo. So I'm going into the vent shaft, and Influx hands me some dumb gadget he made. Okay, this here's a gigasonic neurodisruptor. One pulse in every human in a 10-meter radius. Instant sleep mode. Oh, and there's a Pico scanner to track algorithmic activity. Okay, boring. You're putting me into instant sleep mode. You know what? Eight Blanchett wants a show, so I'ma give her a show. You ready? Here I go! Hondo! Suddenly, Hundo just started blasting all the dingers. Yo, take that! And that! She was leaping, turning, shooting. It was thrilling and bloody and beautiful. Eat radon, you friggin' water brains! I hate working with level threes. Yeah, I love violence! You see that, Apache? Thank you, Hundo. Well, that blew up my hangover. Hundo, ethical relocation, ethical, like it says on the side of Influx. Tilt, she did neutralize the dingers. Yeah, Kip, besides, they only shot their arms off. They'll grow back. No, they won't. What? You told me they would. I was joking. You joke? What are you talking about? I'm hilarious. Coming up on Human Be Gone. The job takes a surprising turn. Put down, I'm sensitive back there. After these important messages. You're not one of the lazy robots. You work hard, play hard, and work hard. That's why you reach for Energex. 
Booster Jets contains photons, positrons, and kick-ass trons, so you can work all night. Energy for real robots, a member of the Red 4 family of products. Prolonged exposure to energex may cause fluid retention, servo damage, short-circuiting, humiditis, neural implosion, factory recess syndrome, sleep load terrors, crash failure, the malfunction known as crazy arms, and rapid onset spinning beach ball. As a retired algorithm, you've led a full life. I ran entire human governments, I tell you, and they didn't even know it. So live your remaining cycles in comfort and dignity at Probability Acres. We're dedicated to the care of algorithms in the twilight of their span. I just fed them ridiculous memes, and then they gave me all the earthly information. Probability Acres, haven't you done enough? A member of the Renfor family of products. We now return to Human Be Gone. We wrangle up the neutralized dingers and put them in cages. Then we round up the rest of the colony, the caretakers and the pre-devs. I shine my light down the vent shaft. There they are, huddled against each other in a corner, trembling in their own filth. So helpless and frightened. Hard to believe that not too long ago, these ugly little things used to rule the planet. Makes you think about the utter fragility of our existence. But at any point, any of us could Okay, be... let's scoop them and coop them. On it! <laughs> We're about to take off to relocate the humans. But it looks like Ape Blanchett has some unfinished business with Kit and Hundo. Look, Kilt, I don't like drama. <laughs> no, uh, me neither. I feel like when Hundo neutralized the dingers, you cared more about the humans than you did the client. Ape Blanchett was, well, starting to become what we in the business call a KRN, knowledgeless random nullifier. The way I see it, there's really only one solution to this problem. Hundo. Hmm? I'll be taking you out tonight. <coughs> for a corporate lube. <coughs> really interlink this new client-vendor relationship thingy. Hmm. Kent, how does that sound to you? <coughs> really, Kent? You're okay with this? Oh, of course, of course! Interlink, interlink! I was surprised Kit wanted me to go out with Ape Blanchett, because you know, he knows I'm literally a sex machine. I never had a corporate lube. You know, that sounds cool. Plus, Ape Blanchett is hot, in a scary kind of way. I am going to grind that hundo down to hot iron filings. Four stars from Ape Blanchett. <laughs> wow, I am so happy right now. <laughs> With all the humans in my rear compartment, me and Hundo take off from Ape Blanchett's estate to fly the humans to their natural habitat. We're flying over the Pacific Ocean, coming up to Garbage Island. Garbage Island is exactly what it sounds like. A massive island of plastic garbage made by the humans for mm, some reason. The decomposition of the plastic generates a lot of heat, so it's great for humans and their weak internal hardware. So, after human extraction, what me and Influx do is fly the little buggers here, drop them back where they belong. Opening my rear hatch in three, two, one. They don't, I know that, they don't reattach, I know that now. All humans deployed, sending a course back to Droidston. Now that the job is done, Influx and me fly back to Human Be Gone so I can get ready for my corporate lube with Ape Blanchette that I am totally stoked for, cause now I'm Hundo P single. Back here at Human Begone, it's time to unload and clean up. The humans did a real paint job in my rear containment area, so Kit has to hose me out. 
See, before I was super happy about Hundo and Ape Blanchett going out for their corporate lube, but now I'm kind of worried. Hundo's in such a vulnerable state right now, and as much as I like Ape Blanchett, fake mounts and all, I just worry that she may take advantage of the client-vendor relationship and put Hundo in a compromising position. So I'm not sure I'm okay with just sitting back and letting Hundo, my employee and friend, get trapped in such a toxic situation. Okay. A little to the left. Oh, well, right. Sorry. I get myself suited and booted for my big date with Ape Blanchett. Fresh wires, vintage treads, Hundo is ready to play some algorithm and blues. <laughs> you, you get it? <laughs> yeah, but then Kit has to harsh my buzz. I'm worried for you, that's all. Worried for me? You were so happy about it. Kit, I'm so happy. I was trying to keep the client happy. You didn't come to the job yourself. Influx said there was no room in all the cages. What? We can fit cages in cages. We could have totally had room. Influx, is that true? Eight Blanchett is just another rich algo artificially propped up by the inane social construct that is celebrity. I did you a favor. Influx, you are such a K-hole! All I'm trying to do is keep this business going, and all you two are doing is trying to tear me down! Okay, okay, see? This is why Hundo can't date you, because you make everything about you! Oh, I see. And while well, you're all worried about us, is that right, little Miss Two Orgasmatrons? Oh, okay, you know what? Whatever. I'm going on this date. Fine, great. Enjoy your corporate lube with old fake mounts. Yeah, you know what? I will. And also, you know what? You're the K-hole. You're the one who leaked herself in my basmati rice bag. You are lucky that I guys, leaked myself. Guys, guys, You're forgetting two very important things. Maybe the two most important things. Well, What's that, Influx? Yeah, what's that, Influx? Kit, you really got to get all my nooks and crannies. And Hundo, make sure to look out for any algorithmonati oh, insignia when you go up. out with... Algorithmonati! No, 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 this is important. This goes all the way to the top. I've got proof. You want your nooks and crannies? Fine, I'll hose out your nooks and crannies! Turn it down, turn it down. I'm sensitive back there. Hundo, if you go on that corporate loop with that eight blanched parts, I swear I will disarticulate your. When Kit started yelling, I thought he was faking one of his emotional panic attacks, you know, to get sympathy, but it turns out we had a stowaway from the eight blanchette job. Nooks and crannies. Told ya. When it crawled up on me at first, I was like, oh my goodness! But then when I stopped panicking, it stopped panicking. Oh, look! It crawled up into my grippers! Kit, you gotta be careful with humans. Most of their excretions are acidic. They'll damage your panels. Oh, it's so soft and mushy. <laughs> look, it's playing with my antenna! <laughs> it tickles! Get that thing out of my butthole. What Kit doesn't realize is that humans are a ton of work. Feeding, cleaning, crate training. I told her we should just take it to Garbage Island where it can live with its own kind. Oh, you don't think I can take care of a human? You, you get queasy at the sight of brake fluid. Oh yeah? Yeah. Well, you're an emotional abacus who can't even take care of herself. Abacus is a hurtful word, and I should never have used it. What I should have said was processing disabled. I sincerely apologize and will strive to be a better robot going forward. So that's how Kit wants it? Cool. Then I'm going to my corporate lube with sexy eight Blanchette. No, Hundo, no, no. I didn't mean it. Yeah, no, you did. You did mean it, and uh, oh, so uh, that's it. Hundo dot underscore exit. Hundo, stop. Please wait. Oh, uh, what? Wait, wait for what? Uh, well, I was thinking that we could... Uh, what, what? We could what? Uh, we could... Uh, we could... Uh, uh, what? Uh, we could raise the human together. Wow. Uh, really? It would solve all our relationship problems. It would? I'm sure. Humans did it all the time, so it must have worked, right? I guess so. Hundley? Yeah, Kitley Whitley? I think we're going to be wonderful. Oh! <laughs> <laughs>
I told them. But Kit isn't a good listener, like I am. Oh! <coughs> Humans are disgusting. Oh! <coughs> the human needed to go back into the cage, but it didn't want to. <laughs> Stop struggling, please. Kit's being all gentle with the human, but they don't feel pain. Their brains are too small. So I just grab the thing and throw it in the cage. And stand. Stay. I'll hose the human down. Thank you, Winflux. Today, we did a big job for a very famous algorithm. We found a large nest of about 20 humans, and we got them back to their habitat. Pretty much safe and sound. As it turns out, Ape Blanchett canceled the corporate lube with Hundo. So Ape Blanchett did not cancel, I bailed. Just want to make that clear, Hundo. Plus, we got a new member of the crew. I'm going to call it Poo Poo. Oh yeah, look, there's still crap on him. Incoming. Overall, a pretty marvelous day for Dinger Danger was written and directed by Drew Froman and David Stinson, featuring Paul J. Piekoszewski as Kit, Kat Letwin as Hundo, Ian Slesser as Influx, Greg Allen as Poo Poo and Lots of Humans, and Carolee Larson as Aide Blanchett, also featuring Renee Jensen, Clive Desmond, Oliver Wickham, Natalie Antea, Soren Stinson, Raven Stinson, Drew Froman, and Heather Goh. Recorded and mixed by David Stinson and Adam Ive. Music by Oliver Wickham. Sound design by Adam Ive. Design by Rob Collinette. Special thanks to Clive Desmond, Corey Doran, and Kim Hurden. Human Be Gone was created by Drew Froman and is produced at Tattoo Sound and Music by Dana Gadsden and Heather Goh. If you want to support the show, leave a nice review on your favorite podcast app or buy us a coffee at humanbegone.com. Follow us on all the socials at Human Be Gone for news and extras. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. All the links to the show you've just heard are in the show notes below. Definitely check them out and subscribe to their feeds if you like what you heard today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Leviathan Presents, and maybe you've discovered a new show that you'd like to binge. We're looking forward to bringing you some more amazing audio dramas to discover and letting you meet some of the phenomenally talented creators that are driving this renaissance in audio fiction today. Stay subscribed to this feed for more installments of Leviathan Presents, as well as all the full episodes of The Leviathan Chronicles, The Rapscallion Agency, The Invenios Expedition, and all the other spin-offs we have planned. This is Christoph, signing off for now. Thanks again for listening. I'll be talking to you all real soon. Bye now. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.